You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. You don't have control over a lot of stuff, but you do have control over one thing, and that's your attitude. And if you keep that in control and keep it positive, all that other BS around you that we have no control over, you know, car turning in front of you on the bike, whatever, whatever it may be, uh, you're racing and the bike bottle comes flying. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but you got to let those things go and stay in control of your attitude and keep it positive and keep it strong. And that's what I tell people. That's what will get you to the finish line. All the stories that I wrote about and the other stories that I know about and, and all of us that know these stories out there realize one thing. These people, they went through some tough crap. But you know what? They're keeping a positive attitude because that's the only thing sometimes you have control over. And that gets you through. That helps you find your finish line at a race or in life. I, it's just, it, it's almost broken down in such simple terms when I talk like that. And I, and because I truly believe it. But people take it, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I, you know, yes, you can. Yes, you can. That was Mike Riley. This is Marnie Salem. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, 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 welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I am joined by world-renowned Ironman race announcer, Mike Riley, also known as the voice of Ironman. Mike is the author of Finding My Voice and host of the Find Your Finish Line podcast. If you're just tuning in, this is episode three of our six-episode triathlon series here on the pod. Mike Riley has announced over 200 Ironman races. So the odds are, if you finished one of these incredible events, Mike has announced your name as you cross the finish line. If you're like me on the 70.3 circuit, be prepared to start looking for your first Ironman after you listen to this conversation you will be hooked. Before we dive into this conversation, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNIE for 25% off. Back to my guest, Mike Riley. On this episode of Marnie on the Move, I sync up with Mike about his legendary announcing career and where it all began. We talk about his foray into triathlon and running and what the scene was like when he first started getting into the sport and where it is now. Mike shares some of his favorite memories from his decades-long career, being the voice that motivates and excites racers as they conquer the course and cross the finish line, including one of my favorite stories, the story of Mark Allen and Dave Scott and the famous Iron War which Mike happened to be announcing that day. I also asked Mike what he does to stay healthy and fit, as well as keep his voice in good condition for the hours and hours he spends on the microphone. Mike also talks about his own exercise and wellness routines that keep him healthy and fit, and how his family is equally passionate about sports, from triathlon and running, and how he just loves what he does. I guarantee you, after listening to this incredibly inspiring conversation and some of the stories that Mike shares with us 
listeners, you are going to be motivated to start training for an Ironman. I can promise you it is very contagious because it is a very wonderful community. Once you get in, you just want to do more. So with that, I leave you my conversation with the voice of Ironman, who everybody loves, Mike Riley. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to the app, wherever you listen. Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast. Click on the go through the shows, scroll through till you get to the five stars. Click on the five stars. And then you can click on write a review and you can leave a review. Don't forget, sign up for our newsletter. And if you like what you hear, share the episode on your social channels, in your feeds, on your LinkedIn, on Facebook, wherever you like to get social online. Now, on to my conversation with Mike Riley. You've been at Ironman for over 40 years on the microphone. Where did your journey into race announcing begin? Well, you know, it's funny how many people say how long I've been at, and Ironman, I've been there, I think it's 32 years, but I've been, I've been on the microphone at endurance events over 40 years. People would go, people ask me and they go, hey, what was it like at Ironman in 1978 when they had the first one? I go, I wasn't there. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I, you, oh, you were there. No, I wasn't there. Babbitt was there, but I wasn't there. You know, yeah. so, uh, they, they, everybody relates me uh, the longevity wise just because, you know, if somebody came into the sport 10, 15 years ago and they've been hearing my voice or seeing me or we've met or whatever. They just think I've been in the business forever. Yeah. I mean, your voice is synonymous with Ironman and this race and has been for decades. So where, how did you get into announcing? And, and I mean, especially, you know, over 40 years ago, was that something that you were interested in pursuing or did it just come to you? How did you get into that? It, it just came to me. I, I was in the public speaker. I was part of Toastmasters. I loved to speak in front of audiences. I was a salesperson, so I was always, you know, selling products, everything from Saucony to Power Bar, you know, to, to clients. So I was, you're always kind of on a stage selling. But it was a 10K race at Mission Bay here in San Diego when the race director saw me after the race started and I, I, I didn't run. I had a bad hamstring. She goes, what are you doing? I go, I got a bad hammy. She goes, I got this little megaphone micro, uh, speaker and this microphone. And she handed me a printout of the entrance. It was only like, I don't know, 250 or 300. She goes, you call them in, call their names. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, this is cool because I can crank some of my friends when they're coming on in, you know, <laughs> make jokes and whatever. That's all I thought about. So it didn't bother me to take the microphone and start talking. But when I started calling people's names off that list and people I didn't know, I could see them just just light up. You know, yeah. hey, Julie Brown from San Diego. Great job. Or I just would say, well done. You know, things I'd want to hear. Yeah. And I go, this is this is kind of cool. You get to like make people even happier when they're finishing a race, you know, just by saying their name and whatever else you can think of. So that's just, that was like 1978 or 79. And that's kind of how it all started. And you were also, you're an athlete. I mean, you started, you were yeah. a runner, you were a wrestler in high school. Did athleticism run in your family? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. My dad was a track star at Ohio State, a miler. My brother was an All-American wrestler. I was not an All-American wrestler. My other brother was an avid runner from day one. And my sisters were all in sports. Uh, tennis and basketball. So yeah, we, we all grew up around it. And, and when I moved to San Diego from Ohio, uh, I just discovered a world that, oh my gosh, I can run in running shorts in December. This is right. freaking amazing. This is, this is unbelievable. And I got enamored and sucked into that endurance lifestyle here of, of running and, and uh, it just grew from there. It was just so organic for you. I mean, when did these two things kind of come together for you, like triathlon and race announcing? Well, I was doing mostly, obviously, running events. And then uh, we would go down to Fiesta Island at Mission Bay. And I think it was Wednesday night. And Scott and Jeff Tinley would come down there, a bunch of people that worked at the San Diego Aquatic Center, where those guys worked too. 
and we do these mini tries. We, but we mess up the distances. We wouldn't always do the swim first. We go, okay, let's ride the two loops around the island first, eight miles, and get off and and run one loop, and then jump in the bay and swim, you know, a thousand meters, whatever it may be. And then we'd all get done and drink beer. And every Wednesday it was kind of a different. What are we going to do tonight? So we just got. We just, I don't know, that world was just so cool because just the the act and the discipline of just running, just running. And I was running a lot of marathons at that time. Uh, so the breakup of triathlon. And then when triathlon started growing, we, we had the first ever pro triathlon here in, in San Diego. Uh, I was a co-race director and announced that. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever to see. Scott Tinley and Scott Molina and and Mark Allen, you know, mixing it up with each other. I couldn't believe how fast these guys could run getting off the bike. I, I just couldn't believe it. And then uh, Paula Newby Frazier shows up and she's kicking everybody's butt. I'm going, what? This is unbelievable. It was almost like we were watching, you know, we were. We were watching something new develop and we thought it was the coolest thing ever. We had no idea where it was going to go from there. We just thought it was our world and nobody else's. Yeah. I mean, these were the beginning days of triathlon. I mean, this is when there was like the first, you know, where it all began, the origin of the world championship and Kona and the original race in Hawaii. I'm sure it was so exciting to be part of something that you never thought today would be so big. Like, did you ever think when you were racing and doing these triathlons that 40 years later, it would be such a huge industry? no idea because because remember that was really niche man i I remember i'd i'd tell neighbors or friends hey by the way uh uh we did this little triathlon down what's the distance what do you do first what what do you swim and and this is how far and this is the bike so you're always explaining every bit of it then people go well why would you why would you do that or others would go i could do that i can ride a bike you know they think just because they can ride a bike, they can, they can do the swim and the, and the run too. So it was really such a niche to us. <clears throat> and we wanted it to grow and more people were stepping out and becoming event directors to put on triathlons. You know, the Jim Curls of the world that yeah. created the USTS series. And, and all of a sudden I'm going, oh my gosh, they're having a series of Olympic distance triathlons. Here it is, 1982, and there's going to be seven of them across the country. Whoa, 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 you know? So that started introducing other regions of the country to the sport. And just like us, they were enamored by it. So, yeah. but no, I, you know, today uh, with, with, you know, there's probably 200 full distance Ironmans in the world. There's probably 400 halves. There's probably, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy huge. how many events there are. I had no idea. How many races have you announced, Ironman specifically? Uh, well, I I kind of know exactly that number. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm think I'm at. Uh, I think Ironman Lake Placid was 197 or 198. It, it's it's just clicking up to the 200 Ironmans on the microphone. Wow, that is crazy, isn't it? Think about that. Yeah, and the great thing about it is. I've called, you know, 400,000 people in Ironman, but I started thinking about the other day and I'm going, God, that's a lot of hotel nights. That's a lot of miles on a plane. That's a lot of way being from home. And I I can't believe my family's still with me. My wife's still married to me. I can't, you know, when you think back of all those trips and, and obviously the family, a lot of the times they went with me and, but it was still me working, you know, it's not like we're going on vacation to go sightseeing. So I, it, it, it's daunting when I look back at it. That's why I don't always like looking back at it because I, I'm just looking forward to the next one and just one at a time. So talk to me a little bit about what goes into your process of getting ready for an Ironman and doing all the announcing in terms of your prep and how much time it takes because it's maybe it's you know, 12, 17, 18 hours of announcing, but there's so much work that goes into that. Yeah, there is. There is a, a lot I... I I pick up on event day, uh, but prior to the race, I I look at the database of the athletes. I read the names and read the stories. If they put down what their story was, uh, as much as I can. So I become, I don't memorize them, but, but I become familiar with them. I become familiar with the names. If there's a name that I 
C and I go, God, I, I don't know if I can pronounce that. It could go this way or that way. I will email the athlete and go, can you give it to me phonetically? And I'll put it in a, just to try to get it right. I don't right. always get them right, but, uh, I try to as much as I can. And then, uh, what happens is on race day, when the name pops up on the computer in front of me, it's familiar to me. I don't I go, Oh yeah. I think she was the one that battled breast cancer. Boom. There it is. And then I tell them out as much as I can say about the athlete and, uh, what, what he or she has accomplished. Uh, so the, the prep before really helps me on race day because I don't, you know, you don't want to see something for the first time and go, what, what is it? Oh, oh yeah. You know, I, I gotta be, because remember, I, I could have six people coming down that finish shoot at the same time. So I'm trying right. to rip out you know, who they are, where they're from. And if there's a quick story, sometimes I can't, sometimes it's only the name and, you know, the call right. because, uh, so many come at, at one time sometimes. So it, it's just a, it's a nature of the, of the act of people finishing of how much I get out, but the preparation helps tremendously. And your process, it's like, you're very in the moment. There's not a lot of research around the people outside of what you need in that moment, right? It's amazing how so in the moment I am. People will come up onto the stage and want to say something to me and could be a good friend. And I, I, I'm the best ignorer in the world. Yeah. I, I don't want to, if someone's trying to tell me something, I, I have them tell Tom Zebart next to me or somebody else because I, I do not want to be interrupted and miss somebody. Yeah. And I still miss people because a name popped on the screen too quick and the other one came up fast and I read that one and I forgot to read this one or I missed it. And people, trust me, they let me know afterwards and they'll send me their finisher video and go, you didn't call me an Ironman. Yeah. And I do, I do take care of that personally with each person. Uh, but it, it, I, I, you know, you, you talk about focus just because I don't want to miss anybody. Right. And I mean, you've, Simple as that. you've had some really, amazing people cross the finish line. And I know they're that all these... amazing. They're all amazing. Marnie, you're amazing. <laughs> they're all amazing. <laughs> I don't care. Anyone who finishes an Ironman is amazing because I've done 70.3 distance and I feel like that is amazing. I can't even imagine. Although some part of me is starting to envision and imagine and put plans uh -oh. in action. Here you go. That's all you have to do is imagine it. It's funny. It's true. And it's like, you know, I'm doing a century this fall. I've done a marathon. I'm going to do a little bit of a longer swim. I'm testing things out to see where I fit into the program. In your book, which is called Finding My Voice, you have listed out and talk about some of the most incredible people that have crossed the finish line that you have called an Ironman. And there are people that do these races for so many different reasons. You know, some people, it's just a workout or training other people, you know, they're over, they overcame cancer and this is their why that they can finish this or, you know, so maybe, you know, tell me some of the stories that have really moved you, even though I know all of the stories have moved you, but maybe there are a few, <laughs> maybe just from this year, because, you know, for my listeners that want to hear all about these incredible and amazing athletes and stories that are in your book, they can get your book, they can read it, but it's been a little bit of a crazy year to say the least. So mm -hmm. I know races have come back. Are there any stories that really stand out that are fresh in your mind? Well, I receive a lot of emails from athletes and messages from athletes and, and they always want to tell me their story. And I always want to hear their story. Uh, I mean, the most recent one, I just talked to a woman who, uh, her and her husband got into a triathlon and wanted to start doing some races and they did. She contracted breast cancer, battled it for five years, went through the chemo, the whole deal. Uh, but they kept working out and they kept strong. She survived that. She's cancer free. Uh, and they're at an event and the husband drops of a heart attack. Why they were at an event. Uh, he was saved, but it took a while for him to come back. And then they're back into racing again. And she's telling me this story, Marnie, and she's got this. I could tell if I got a senior, she, she must have had this glow around her. Her positive yeah. attitude was just infectious. She's telling me all these things that happened. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, if that happened to me, I sure as heck, I don't know if I'd be that 
jolly about it. Yeah. And then she goes, and now my husband's got Alzheimer's and we're battling through that. And it's stage three. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. But we're still working out, Mike, at what keeps us sane. It keeps us level. It keeps us balanced. And it helps us cope. So most of the stories in the book are about coping. Right. A lot of them about transformation, transforming from one person to another, the person they didn't like to the person now they really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, stories like that are every day out there. That's why, I mean, I can talk to pros till I'm blue in the face. And, and I love each and every one. I do. I love all the pros, all right. the men and women pros in our sport. But the age groupers tell stories from the heart. And I know those are going to inspire others who could be going through the very exact same yeah. thing now or have been in the past, or people who are just mentally really depressed and they just can't figure out how to get out of that funk. So they go seek help because they hear a story about someone who did that. Right. So uh, particularly stories, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to always pinpoint one. Right. When you ask me that, I've got like 20 just went through my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing because, you know, I and this is something that I always talk about is that how amazing sports are in helping you as a person deal with different things that happen to you in your life, in your career, in your work. Because I think with athleticism, especially with Ironman races and and any really any kind of event like that, where you're challenging your physical and mental limitations around your physical limitations. And if you do the work, then you usually can see results and it doesn't mm-hmm. really work that way in other realms of life, right? Like you're not always in control of the results or the outcome unless, you know, and even if you do the work, like whether it's in your career or if you have a health issue or scare or, you know, just general life. So being able to see those examples physically and do them yourself is huge and you can take those lessons back to your other realms of your life. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you don't have control over a lot of stuff. Yeah. But you do have control over one thing, and that's your attitude. Yeah. And if you keep that in control and keep it positive, all that other BS around you that we have no control over, you know, car turning in front of you on the bike, whatever, whatever it may be, uh, you're racing and the bike bottle comes flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but you got to let those things go. Yeah. And stay in control of your attitude and keep it positive and keep it strong. And that's what I tell people. That's what will get you to the finish line. All the stories that I wrote about and the other stories that I know about and, and all of us that know these stories out there realize one thing. These people, they went through some tough crap. But you know what? They're keeping a positive attitude because yeah. that's the only thing. Sometimes you have control over yeah, and that gets you through that helps you find your finish line at a race or in life. It's just, it's almost broken down in such simple terms when I talk like that. And I, and cause I truly believe it, but people take it. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. You've done many triathlons, but never an Ironman. How come? I was training for the 1989 Kona race. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have to qualify. You just sent in the money, the whole deal. Had the condo, had the air, you know, everything. Got a call from Valerie Silk at that time. Actually, Mike Plant called me. God, you know, rest his soul. He's no longer with us. He was announcing the race, and he said Valerie wanted me to bring in a second announcer. And I go, Mike, I'm, I'm doing the race. And he goes, all right, I'll tell her. Then she calls. And you go, really? You don't want to come over? I go, well, I already got the airfare and stuff, Valerie. Thank you very much. That's cool. Uh, but but I really, you know, I'm training for the race. I had no, I didn't look at the big picture or anything. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, uh, she came back and said, well, I want to do this for you. And do it. And I'm thinking, I maybe I'll be an idiot if I, I can always do the race. My wife said the same thing. She, she goes, you mean, really, they're going to fly you over to Hawaii, pay your expenses and give you some money to announce what's wrong with you? You know, and I go, oh, OK. Right. Well, that was, you know, 32 years ago. And I've been on the microphone ever since. That was the most famous year of triathlon ever <laughs> as well. I mean, that was the year of the famous Iron War and where Mark Allen beat Dave Scott and you announced that race. So it was take me through it, that. It, it <laughs> that was, was epic. Awesome. I 
I, I was almost, I was in disbelief of the event itself. I'm like a, you know, six-year-old in a candy store that yeah. all the bottles broke and all the candies on the floor. I was walking among it. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe where I was at. So I was pinching myself, but I still had a job to do. Mike was, Plant was doing most all the announcing. I started filling in and then I started, I was in charge of listening to the spotters who were giving us the splits. They had come off the bike. They had, we had knew they ridden together. Remember, there's no social media, no nothing. Right. We had, we had landlines up there. The phone would ring and somebody would be out. Oh, by, they'd be at a pay phone. Oh, they just went by me and they're still together. I mean, that's the, what we were getting. So when they got out the bike and I think we got the first split and I heard, I heard sub five or five Oh four or something. And I go, well, that's, that's insane. There's no way those dudes are running that fast. I'm a runner. I know. I, there's no way. And so I got to split it like the 5k and I'm going, my God, they're still running five something. There's no way. And I didn't believe any of the spotters until a friend of mine called me from a payphone. I, you got, you aren't going to believe this. They are running. This is what they're at. And I go, well, he's, he knows what he's talking about. And it was, it was two, <laughs> two guys just battling one another running faster than anybody ever had in history and running faster than anybody ever did for the next 20 some years. So yeah, 89 was my first year and it's the first year Rick and Dick Hoyt came and right. did the race. I, I mean, it was just a year of first and I was just honored to, and I'm still honored to say that, by the way, 1989 was my first year in Kona. And people go, oh, my gosh. you know? Right. Well, I mean, and that was the year that you were supposed you were training to do the race. And then instead of doing the race, you announced the race. So did you ever do a race after that or other distances? Yeah, other distances, but never an Ironman because I the one I'd always want to do is Kona. But I had more passion of being on the microphone. I'd rather still today, you know, and I train a lot and. and can I do one? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I would hope I'd be able to do one, but it still gives me much more pleasure to be able to call people in than being out there. What races would you recommend for someone like me who's a beginner? Well, beginner in the sense that I've never done an Ironman, but I like a flat, mellow swim, but I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love hills. I like climbing. <laughs> I just really want the water to be perfect. All conditions, perfect. What races? Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, there's good flat swims. Lake Placid has a, in Mirror Lake, has a beautiful flat swim. Uh, Wisconsin and Lake Monona is a flat swim. There's a lot of places flat swim and, and hills. You just have to find out. I always recommend that your, your first Ironman to, yeah, yeah, if you want to look at the course and do it that way, but also look. At no matter where you live in the world, look yeah. what's in your region. You know, the closer to home for the first one, kind of the better, especially if you can drive there and just put everything in the car and not have to fly and pack the bike and all that good stuff. Right. Because you want to take out all those external things that the stuff that you have to deal with when you're doing your first race. So if you do one closer to home, uh, it, it's always easier. Yeah. It's just it, it's less there's just less stress for you. Uh, and with so many Ironman events throughout the world, people can find one in their region. And when I say that, I mean, if you drive seven hours, it's, that's better than having to fly three hours and pack everything up. Right. So. Cause you have to take your bike apart. You have to ship it. Ah, I mean, it's yeah. like a whole thing. And then you put it back together and you're worried that maybe it's not put together. Right. And then you have to go to the bike shop. I've been there just for a 70.3. So yeah, it's yeah. very nerve wracking for sure. So what's your next race that you're announcing at? What's the next Ironman that's coming up? Ironman Wisconsin uh, in Madison. And the week week after that is the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George, Utah. Speaking of racing and just getting back to racing, and you do all the Ironmans all year long. Like how many races do you announce a year? Oh, the schedule usually consists of, you know, anywhere from 11 to 13 or 14 events, depending on the schedule. The tough part is I, I can back up Ironmans weekend to weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that's getting tougher to do just because of travel and the way right. it is nowadays. I just have to pick which ones I can go to. And, and, uh, you know, I used to always, I mean, New Zealand, the last time I was there was March of 20, 2020. I don't know when I'll be able to go back or Australia. So now the concentrations on North America, heck Canada's out. So, right. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I don't know how many I'll do next year because of what is going on. My goal would be to do, you know, at least a dozen. And then, uh, I call only one or two 70.3s depending. I, the one Oceanside 70.3, I call mm -hmm. that here cause it's, it's a home. I live here. Uh, oh, you're still so in California. I'm in San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. Nice. I feel like that's a place I would love to live if I had another place to live in, I'm in New York City, but San Diego, it's just so beautiful. You can be outside and enjoy the weather and the terrain and all that. And the, and the high gas prices and the high housing prices. Well, you're in New York, so you, you got the same. This is high here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And how do you keep your voice healthy and fit? As a podcaster, you know, there are certain things that when you're on the mic all the time and you're speaking, you know, are there any exercises or teas that you drink or anything that you do? When I do stuff like this or I do my podcast, I don't, there's, there's nothing I do. I may have a throaty before, you know, I go on, but on race day, it's, it's different. I, I knock on wood, have never lost my voice at an Ironman race and I will myself to never do that because if that would happen, it'd be a travesty to me mm -hmm. of not being able to call people in. But I just, I, I've been fortunate. I've been, you know, God gave me a voice that just lasts and I don't yell or scream. I let the speaker system and the microphone and, and my guys at BCC, they, they, they do all the sound. They know when my level needs to be up or down. Mm -hmm. and it, it, the thing that's take, taken the beating is my hearing because of all the loud systems and everything like that. So I've got to plug them now because I can't, the bass and it's just, you know, beat you up 19 hour. I'm standing there listening to, you know, ACDC for yeah. goodness sakes. And so, but the voice seems, you know, the day after it'll be beat up and raspy and everything, but, but, but 48 hours, 72 hours, it's back and ready to go. So I just been fortunate with that, you know, drink liquid, take care of it, drink warm tea, honey, you know, I do all those things. So sometimes I, race i won't do anything and i'll and i'll even say i don't know where it was at might have been ironman florida in november i said to tom z i go oh my god i haven't i'm my voice feels it's unbelievable you know some days it's just better than others but it it's just you know thank god it's always there <laughs> yeah i noticed when i was reading your book that your favorite book is power of one by bryce courtney this is one of the most inspiring books i have ever read how did you come to discover this book? This was a while, you know, I, I discovered that book, my gosh, in the, uh, in the early 90s, I think it was, I discovered it. Uh, and I, I just was so enamored with the, the, the theme and the story of it, of PK and what he went through and the whole deal. Uh, the, the great part of that story is Bryce Courtney. Yeah who was from South Africa, uh, wrote it, wrote a bunch of books. Matter of fact, I have every one of the books he wrote, and I'll tell you why. I go to Ironman Australia, and at the awards ceremony early in the 90s, I had said something at the end, you know, what you are, shout so loud that what you say cannot be heard. That's what Bryce wrote in the book on one part of it that just, I, it affected me. So I said that to everybody. I told that the Ironman athletes, you don't have to brag what you are, shout so loud. What, you know, what you say doesn't need to be heard. So a good mate of mine from down there came up to me afterwards and go, you quoted Bryce. I go, yeah. And he said Bryce like it was like it was his buddy. Well, it was. He worked in the same advertising agency as Bryce Courtney in Sydney. Fast forward to the next year of the race. He walks up to me. He's doing the race again. I said, hey, how you doing? Great. He goes, I got somebody for you to meet. He brought Bryce Courtney to the race. And I met him and spent a week with him. We had dinner every night. It's just, just amazing to talk to this guy. And the follow-up book, The Power of One, is Tandia. He sent me the combined hardback, which was a limited edition, and wrote something in there to me that uh, I'll, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. So that, yeah, you know, that... You can get influence from a lot of places in life, and and uh, reading has always been one place I've I've gotten it. And I've, I do a lot of reading, but then he then he would send me every one of his books wow. that there came out. So, I've oh, only yeah, read so I've that one. All. I mean, it's I I feel like everyone should read that book because it's such a great story. Even if you're not into boxing, I think 
it's such an amazing story of adversity and overcoming challenges and not letting somebody put you in a box or put you in a corner or tell you you can't do something and just having that like grit and tenacity and like just wanting to overcome the odds and not letting people take you down. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people who are Ironman athletes, age groupers, I mean, they're kind of feeling the same way, right? They're trying to overcome hurdles and adversity and different things in their life. I love that book. Yeah. And, you know, it was really, it influenced me on writing uh, my book because you don't have to be an endurance athlete or an Ironman to get get anything out of it. You, you'll get as much out of it if you're not an Ironman athlete and it's the same power one, you're not a boxer. So, because they're life stories. Yeah. Sure. They, they do Ironman or they do this or they do that, but, but they're life stories and, and we need to hear other people's life stories of, of how they overcame and hopefully it teaches us to do the same. So when did you decide that you wanted to write this book? Was it something that you were doing all along or did you just have a moment where you were like I really need to document these stories and share them with other people well I was uh a long time I mean I'll bet you it was 10 years ago Bob Babbitt said to me you got to write a book you're seeing so much at the finish line you're seeing more than everybody and these people are telling your stories and I go yeah okay yeah yeah (laughs) it just wasn't in my head and but what I did and I do I kind of chronicle almost everything I see and I've got it written down somewhere. And, and then I always have a diary of every race, something I saw. And so I started putting the stories together and just jotting down notes. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, I, uh, what happened was I went to the, at the Ironman Lake Placid the night before the race at St. Agnes church in Lake Placid. Mm. Uh, there's a mass, uh, the night before the race it's done by, Father Dan Callahan, the Iron Friar. He's done like 20 Lake Placids. And he's a cool, I, I love the guy. And he says the Mass there. He brings all the athletes up on the altar after the Mass so everybody can see him. It's, it's so cool. Well, afterwards, the year before that, I was telling him I was going to write a book. So here it is, a year fast forward. I go uh, out, out back at church. He's there greeting everybody, and he's doing the race. He goes, hey, so you, you got that book done? No, I want to read it. You got it done? And I go, no, I, I don't yet. I, I don't have it done. And I walked away going, Mike, get off your ass and get this thing going. Here, a year ago, I was, I don't know if I was bragging, but I was telling him about, I'm going to do this book and everything. And, and that's the easy part. You know, hey, I'm going to do a book. I walked away going, get that thing done. And, uh, you know, within 18 months, I had it done. And that, that really catapulted me to sit down and go, okay, let's get this done. I think it's great. I, I loved it. I loved reading all the stories about the athletes that have crossed the finish line and your journey. I do. I think it's something that everyone should read. Like, you don't have to be a triathlete to enjoy the book. And now you also have a really great podcast, Find Your Finish Line. Tell me a little bit about that. I went down the road of possibly writing book number two more for the reasons of people kept asking me, you're going to, I want another book. I want another book. And even though we're going through the pandemic and I had the time to do that, I just didn't, it wasn't in my gut yet to do book number two. I know the work involved because I self-publish. There's a lot of work involved. My son, Andy would have to do a lot of work, you know, others would too. And, and we knew what that path was doing it the first time. Sure. It would be easier the second time, but to sit down and go through the process of writing, I just didn't, you know, so I said, well, I can tell stories. I can have that person on as a guest and they can tell their story. It would be more powerful if somebody heard Mike Ergo talk about putting that M16 rifle in his mouth on New Year's Eve to wanting to end his life uh, in, in, in Iraq. And, and I, I wrote about him, but we did that. We did that live. And, and so the podcast is a continuation of the book. It's just, it's stories of, of age group athletes and professionals that have gone through great times and not so great times and what they did to get through to the other side. Uh, so that's why the podcast and, and it's fun. I mean, I, I get to talk to people, uh, and doing your podcast. I mean, I, it's just great because 
the only time I really talk to people was at an event. I mean, obviously family and friends and things like that, but I don't go around calling them an Iron Man or saying, Hey, you know about this story? Because it, I, I'm a different person with them. We're, you know, like with the grandkid, although it's funny, my three-year-old grandkid, he was over the other day and he, I don't know why he said that. He, he goes, Papa, Iron Man. And I go, what? what, what do you, Iron Man, Iron Man. And I go, yeah, Iron Man. And I, and then he just ran out of the room. But <laughs> I'm thinking, where'd that come from? So I guess the, the, the kids are starting to pick it up. Yeah. Well, have any of your kids got into racing? <laughs> yes. My daughter, Erin, has run a few marathons and she's run Boston. Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Yeah. That's awesome. And then uh, uh, my son, Andy, who was a college baseball player and then then got paid for it after after college and then uh, decided he wanted to do an Ironman when he was out of baseball. Uh, and he did Ironman Arizona in 2013, which was very cool. That's the one I heard. Uh, it's really good also for beginners, but it's far. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona is very good. Yeah. It's good for everybody. It's yeah, just, it's you a know, great race. Yeah. it's a great town, great race. Yeah. So yeah, they, they've gotten into it. And your wife, has she done any triathlons or Ironman races? No, she's run marathons. It's funny when, when my son did his Ironman, he ran, I think he ran the marathon like four or three something, three fifty. Uh, but then he, that was in November. Then he wanted to do Boston. So he did Boston that April. Didn't train a whole lot. So I said to him, Hey, remember your mom's got a PR of, I think her PR was like three forty two or something okay. like that. And, uh, he goes, well, I ran four hours at Arizona after the swim and the bike. I'll be fine. Well, he went out and he didn't run 342. So she still has the PR for a marathon over him. <laughs> yeah. He goes, that was hard. <laughs> That's so funny. It's funny because, and I had this conversation. I think it was one of the night that we met in New York City at the Ironman Foundation event like years uh -huh. ago, right? Briefly, I also met Andrew and a couple of other people from Ironman and just, you know, we were talking and someone had said to me, you know, if you're going to do an Ironman, don't use a marathon or an individual sport as like what it would be like to do the Ironman because they're just so different. And I think a lot of people think, you know, well, I did a marathon, I can do the Ironman or I did an Ironman, I can do a marathon. But yeah. Yeah. It is such a different sport. So, yeah. It, it's crazy. Yeah, he went out there and just absolutely got beat up the last, you know, six, ten miles and came in and that was a hard, that was harder than the Ironman. That's know? so funny. So. I think a marathon is, I have, like I said, I have not done an Ironman. I've done a lot of 70.3s and I find that the marathon was a lot harder than any 70.3 I've done. So oh, including yeah, the probably one I so. just did. Now, what are you doing to stay fit and healthy? I just rode the 40K Ruby Ironman South Africa course this morning cool. on my trainer. Yeah. Because uh, I knew I, I was doing this, so I couldn't go for a ride. But I ride a lot. You do. Yeah. Uh, I do yoga a couple of days a week. Uh, I uh, lift weights. I run once in a while. I don't run as much anymore. And then, you know, get in the pool like once a week. So I, you know, I play around in it. That's cool. People go, Mike, what are you working out for? I said, for life. Yeah. But I, I don't need to be entered in a race, you know, which is great because it's like I don't have to worry about a race. I mean, the last one I did, I, uh, I had a century ride in 2019 and entered that. And I'm all nervous and I'm thinking, what am I nervous for? I'm just, who cares what I do? Right. You know, how <laughs> fast I go. And, and I had a great time out there with a bunch of buddies. So, yeah, that's my next event. I'm doing a century the end of September. It's, it's actually my first century. I mean, I'm not doing it as a race. I'm doing it as a ride, but it's a really hard concept for me to grasp that it's not a race. It's a ride. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's just kind of surreal, but I'm, I keep trying to calm myself down with it's a ride, not a race. Where's it at? <laughs> it's here in New York. It's up 9W over through Nyack and Piermont. Oh, kind of okay. goes up to Harriman Park. It's about 6,000 feet of elevation. That's a good day. I'm ready. I'm so psyched. Bring it on. 
But a couple of my friends that I'm riding with are like way more mellow than me. They're like, we're going to have lunch. And I'm like, lunch? I'm like, we're not having lunch for the first 70 miles. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What I like about them is, is I'll be, you know, say it's 75 miles. I'm hurting a little bit. And, you know, three people come by me and I go, well, I'm sucking this wheel for a little while. You know, you get on their wheel and go, okay, that that got me back. And then you're right. So, and you can't do that in triathlon, right? Like (laughs) take advantage of the opportunities (laughs) in the other sports. What's coming down the pipeline? Who are some of the guests that we could look forward to, to hearing from on the podcast? The last guest was Roderick Sewell. He was the, uh, bilateral W amputee above the knee that did uh, Kona. Roderick is a great, great guy. I love the kid. And so I had him on and, you know, they can go to MikeRiley.net and look at all the past podcasts, but future guests, I've got Kristen Mayer from Team Betty, the founder of- I love uh, her. Yeah. Betty Designs. Yeah. She's a, she's a dear friend and, and I just have always admired what she's pushed through and what she's built, especially with Team Betty. And when I bring them into the finish line, they're always so happy. It's, it's amazing. The, yeah. The camaraderie in that group is very cool. I love, I love that. So she's coming up. I've got Chris Nickich coming up. I talked to Chris and his dad, Nick. It was an interesting talk. And uh, who's coming up? Joe DeSina, who is the CEO and founder of Spartan Race. I go right. a long way back with him. He used to do the Ironman races as an uh, executive because he, ran a, a, he was a Wall Street guy. Then he created the Spartan series. And actually, when I worked for, uh, uh, I ran the sales at active.com for years. And, and uh, I actually, you know, sold him the online registration for the Spartan races. And the very, I'll never forget my first meeting with him. I go, God, this guy is intense. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I love him. <laughs> so he's, he's coming up. So that's exciting. You have a lot going on. And then you're heading out to your next race gig. Which is going to be very special because my godchild, my niece, yes, is uh, doing her first Ironman. Wow. Uh, and I actually went to Wisconsin, met her there in July and rode the bike course with her, swam in the lake and showed her the whole course. She's from Ohio and I came in from San Diego. Uh, so my her mom, my sister and my other sister... And my brother and my wife are all going to be there to watch her. So it's going to be a Riley family affair in, in Wisconsin. I, I can't wait. It'll be, it'll be fun. That's exciting. Do you ever, do you, um, do you ever like recommend restaurants and places for people to go like when they're in the town or is that something you don't really steer? Cause you go no, all the time. I, I mean, do you have like favorite yeah, restaurants? I, I used to, yeah. I used to do that. As a matter of fact, I had a, I, I would do something for Ironman every year of yeah. where to go and where to eat in Kona. Uh, but then I stopped doing it. I mean, I, there's, there's places in every town, which I'm familiar with. Right. Uh, there's a, uh, the night before every Ironman, if Tom Zebart's announcing with me and the race director, we always go to a, the best steak restaurant in the area, you know, get an early dinner, like at five, six o'clock. Because I, I feel eating the steak or meat the night before seems to last all day long because I don't eat a lot on race day. Right. Plus, we just talk about what the race is coming up. And so, yeah, there's there's places I go and people kind of know it. They go, oh, this is where Mike goes every, you know, two days before the race. I'm going, how do they know that stuff? That's crazy. So anyway. I started this past year, I guess, taking notes of places that I like to eat when I go places. I'm doing, you know, the same races over and over again. Right, right. And I never remember because I'm in like the race zone, which means that absolutely no information is coming into my brain. It's very much, <laughs> you know, you'll say, put your bike down. And I'm like, wait, what? What did you just say? Bike what? You know how athletes are in transition. They're all like, you know, just basically there's no thinking happening. And Marty, I'll be in the transition and I will just I'll be somebody will be standing next to me waiting to ask a question. And I'll go, by the way, your your orange a personal needs bag needs to go to the end of transition, drop them off at the boxes, you know, and I'll say something else. Also, what do you need? Where did the orange transition bags go? <laughs> I go, jeez, I just, well, well, I just announced, uh, you know, but yeah. you can't be like, Hey dummy, I just announced, you know, I would never do that. Yeah. So I, I go, Oh, well, it's uh, over there, you know, it's somewhere over there. <laughs> it's just, there's so much going on, which is what I love about it. It's like, you just have to think about so many things, but you also can't take in any new information. So I started making a list in my notes of places 
that we like to go for dinner because I'm always where are we going to go for dinner like it's always like that's my focus is like what am I going to eat because you know you think you're going to a country where there's no restaurants or food but you're just going to Connecticut (laughs) right (laughs) yeah yeah I know I come with like five bags from Whole Foods in New York City (laughs) the whole car is full our (laughs) our 13 year old is like you guys are nuts you guys are legitimately nuts like how do you pack so much food this has been so much fun I highly recommend everyone read your book listen to your podcast and do an Ironman including myself thank you very much I I I appreciate it and thanks for having me on and and thank you for what you do too Marnie you know being able to put it out there as much as you can with different guests just to be able to you know we all want the industry and the sport to grow yeah uh and bringing new fresh faces and people into the sport because we know how to transform them. So thank you for doing that because I think it's, uh, I, I, I think it's very admirable. Well, thank you. And I'll see you soon because I'll be doing an Ironman one of these days. <laughs> one of these days. One Come of these on, days. hurry up. Don't be, don't we wait in like five or six years. I don't I know. know if I can be doing this that long. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> planning on doing it at 90, but now I have a different goal because now I feel like I have to do it while you're announcing. <laughs> Oh, I and see, 90 I is see. like, you know, 40 years away. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I exactly. might not make it to the Ironman at that point. <laughs> I guarantee I won't be there. I'll okay? quali- <laughs> that'll be the year I qualify. That's like my biggest joke right now. But I yeah, think it's going to yeah. happen sooner. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.